0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Kia ora no mai harimai e Welcome to It's Getting Hot in Here, where we chat with experts to learn about climate change here in Ōtōtahi. I'm Molly. And I'm Emily. Join us as we go on a journey to find explanations, solutions, and hope for the future.
2: So it's been a while since there's been an Iskin Hot in Here episode, and we wanted to tell you that we're working on something, something that we're really excited about and that we think will be worth the wait.
1: And in the meantime, we wanted to share this interview with you we hope you enjoy this episode. So today we're talking with Kathleen Gallagher. She is the filmmaker of the recent feature documentary Rohe Koreporepo, The Swamp, The Sacred Place, and it is premiering on October 30th at 3.15pm at the Lady Isaac Theatre Royal on Gloucester Street.
2: Yeah, it's part of the New Zealand International Film Festival that's coming up, and it's definitely a film worth watching.
1: Welcome to It's Getting Hot in Here, Kathleen. Could you tell us what generally is this film about?
0: It's about going into a place into the swamplands into the places where we've we've turned our backs like between 1840 and 1990 New Zealanders like most New Zealanders turned their backs on the swamplands and they were drained with a 1910 drainage axe and so a lot of them ceased to exist. We lost 90% of them. But around 1987, 1990, things started to turn around here. And over the last 30 years, a lot of them have been restored, reclaimed. The bird life has come back because there's been a lot of trapping. And they've started to resume their functions, like in Christchurch, up at the top of the, the two awa here, the Avon Otakaro and the Heathcote Ōpāwahō, Uh, There's been a lot of wetlands built there from the 1990s right to the present day. So when the recent Ashburton floods happened, Ōtōtahi Christchurch was not flooded because we've got a lot of wetlands here. So they started to fulfil their old functions of protecting against flooding, against storm surges, flooding, tsunamis, yeah, along the coast,
1: yeah. That's
0: excellent. So they're just starting to come back. So that's what it's... It's about the people that have been involved with these repo around the country and who are restoring them, reflooding them, yeah.
1: How was the experience of making the film and, you know, what changed along the way?
0: Well, it was slower than usual because of the COVID outbreak. So we started filming at Okarito in January of last year and then we got into lockdown, (laughs) level four. (laughs) So we were going to have it ready for the Wetlands Conference in October Last year, and they changed the wetlands conference and the opening of Tupai to, to October this year. And then they changed the wetlands, they didn't have to pie open, then they put the wetlands conference online. And then the film festival was changed from July to now. And so, yeah, so it's everything's sort of moving, everything's fluid, as everybody is aware at the moment. And uh, so it was a slower, slower to make it than I usually am. But when we work, Often the place that we're working with reflects it. So like Aleppo was a slower moving being than a river. So when we worked on the two river films, Seven Rivers Walking, Haere Marire and Water Whisperers, Tāngaroa, they were really fast moving, you know, and we we just were running just like trying to keep up with the river and the, the people on the river. But this movie, this this film was sort of more like Aleppo and so it was a more meditative experience like the making of it. So it's quite
1: interesting. I really like that as like a metaphor for what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. What's well, something that you learned
0: along the way of filming? Yeah, I learned about the sacredness of the repo and I learned how they were intrinsic to our restoration of relationship in Aotearoa, that the recovery and the restoration of the repo which is yet to happen it hasn't it's only in process but that recovery we need to give full attention to that to recover our whole selves and who we are and how we're going to go forward hmm. that is critical and the clause in the treaty of waitangi shows illustrates that people will remember
2: how was this film different to your other films
0: yeah, I've worked. I've been working in environmental films since two thousand, so it's about twenty years. Yeah, and my most famous film was Earth Whispers Papatuanuku in two thousand and nine. I think that it yeah it did exceptionally well throughout New Zealand and travelled all around the world and to, to very you know very famous international film festivals. And most recently, I did Seven Rivers Walking, Haire Marire with Gaylene Barnes and. Yeah, I, I guess I've been working in environmental films and also I've worked films to do with peace. Yeah. So the first film I did to do with peace was Tōtumāuri, Breath of Peace, and it was the story of the peace movement from the 30s to the present day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think each film's got its own kōpapa that reveals itself as we make it. And... It's different, but it's. I think it's, it's just got its own movement it, and it moves with the repo and it moves with the, with the komatua of the repo and the kaitiaki. It moves at their pace, these people that, you know, that are intimate.
2: I was doing a bit of preparation for this interview and I asked my partner, I was like, what would you want to know about wetlands if you could ask a wetland expert? And she looked at me and was like, "Why would I care about a bog?" Like, and so I want to ask you, like, why do you think wetlands are important?
0: I, I went to the wetlands, like after the climate change march in uh, Christchurch, when it was interrupted by the mosque attacks, and I went there, and like in the poem that I quoted from, from David Thoreau. You know, when I would recreate myself, I seek the darkest wood, the thickest, the most interminable into this citizen, the most dismal swamp. I enter the swamp as a sacred place, a sanctuary, a sanctorum, here is the strength, the marrow of nature. and like I sort of I went there for answers because I, I felt that we have to go to the other places that we don't need to normally go to for these answers that we're fa- with the things and the crises that we're facing. And I feel like in Christchurch since, 2010, we've had, like, one crisis after another, so we're just, like, almost waiting for the next one. (laughs) And um, But we're sort of, like, in this state, and I thought, no, I have to go to a different place and look for a different answer, because I think that what created the thinking that created the situation, the situation of crisis that we're in, is not the thinking that's going to get us out of it. So that's why I went to a different place, to the places that we had rejected and turned away from as a society. And, the, and they they solve, they solve all the huge problems that we're facing at the moment, these these wetlands. Wow, they're incredible things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're incredible. Because they're, you, you know, like, so like 40% of the biodiversity on the planet lives or is birthed in a wetland, you know, so. Wow, you know, I didn't know that. Fact. And they're, they're only like 7%, about 7% of the world's surface area. And yet they, they store about, you know, 20 to 30% carbon can be stored in them in healthy wetlands. So they store carbon. And the other thing that we've lost, like we've got biodiversity, carbon and the water cycle. And they are key in the restoration of the water cycle. So the water cycle is the, the sky, you know, the sky water, the sky rivers and the earth rivers. And it's got to move. That's the water cycle. Tarepo, the they're just critical in that. They purify the water. And then, you know, they bring the water to themselves in the air. So they're really, really critical in the restoration of the water cycle. So those are the, you know, three massive things that we're facing. And, you know, by having, with wetlands, you know, like, if you can carbon credit wetlands, we just build them everywhere. And the other thing is, is they're much faster to grow than forests. So they store as much carbon as a tropical rainforest, but you can actually get a wetland going like in a year or two.
1: Wow, you that's know, amazing.
0: You know, so they're talking about building some big machine in, in Iceland or something to you know store carbon and do this. These are the mach- these are it. <laughs> <laughs> don't we don't need to-, to build it. We just need to look at them and we just need to restore them and put our attention on them and see what they actually do. So if you have them down the rivers, you know, so the big Rangitata, for instance, then you have wetlands down each side of that river they purify all the water before it goes into the river. So the river's clean and it's drinkable and swimmable and the fish are okay, you know. So they do a mahi, you know, they do it, they do this job. And because, you know what, here they take the water out of the river so the wetlands are drained and then the farmers move into them and they put the farms on the, you know, and, and and, and so the water cycle is broken and the purifying action of the wetlands is broken too, so so they have they do all of these tasks you know
1: yeah i find it really interesting that people are viewing them really negatively a lot of the time like sort of like oh why would i want a swamp near my house you know it might be too wet to walk in or it might be sort of it might smell bad or, so, or something like that and i wonder whether in some ways it's because we we can't immediately use that land, like we can't turn it into something that we want, but we're not recognizing all the things that it's doing for us by just being a swamp.
0: Oh yeah, and I think also that it's just also the food practices that we got into with the people eating uh, like sheep and cows and pigs, rather than eating eels and, you know, kereru and weaker or you know like, like they just started eating different things because in the, in Arepo all of those things are there you know that we called it the sacred place you know uh, the swamp the sacred place and it's because it's a taonga so it's it's a treasure and in the Treaty of Waitangi the, the protection of the water and the cleanliness of the water and the protection of places of Mahinga Kai, which Arepoa and Ruhi and these the protection of these places is is critical. And so it's it's part of our founding document that we protect them. And when they set the drainage boards up in the nineteen ten and, and they made the city here, they just hold us bolus draining them. But they were the primary thing in the treaty says that they are to be protected. So that has to be that has to be respected because it's part of our founding document and it's ours, you know, that's our document. And we have to, you know, we can't just go, oh, that doesn't matter because it's it does matter. It matters about who we are, you know. And the restoration of them affects all of our health and, like, giving attention to them, walking in them, you know. And then you start to appreciate the birds in the wetlands. Like, there's so many birds in the wetlands, and there's massive mahi going on in Christchurch with regard to wetlands. A lot of birds that were almost extinct have come back here to Christchurch in the last thirty over the last thirty years, and then through the, since the earthquakes.
2: Is that because of the restoration of the of Christchurch area, or, or why have why has the biodiversity come to
0: Christchurch? Because since in nineteen ninety, the drainage board got taken over by the Christchurch City Council. In Christchurch, a lot of places it didn't; it was by the environment. You know, regional councils, but in Christchurch it was taken over by the city council. And so Colin Merck and Ken Calling, there's a group of guys are in there. They began it, and then it's gone on since then. So there's a group of people in there doing it now, Clive Appleton, Anthony Shadbolt. He's working with Aparahama Tekpa. And they are working to restore the wetlands. So that's why there's a lot of birds and ducks around the city. Mm. There's 22 miles they're restoring from from the airport all the way to Spencer Park out that way, through Travis Wetland, all that massive, massive area. They're planting thousands of kahikatea trees there. And so, you know, they, these are all happening just like as we're speaking. And so we're really blessed that we live here and that this this is happening. And the red zone area is another potential area uh, for restoration of wetlands along the awa there. So it's it's happening just around us.
2: These massive restoration projects, are they reliant on a lot of community volunteers?
0: Oh yeah, they work with everybody. So there's a big one up in Makatu that the Bay of Plenty Regional Council is really active as well. They work really hard. So at Makatu they are restoring 3,000 hectares and they they work with schools or any group can just go and work with them. You know again can go and work with them, anyone. They work with all sorts of groups. You know, fish and game, forest and bird, local iwi, but anything, university, all sorts all sorts of groups are involved in this. So lots of people are involved in planting. And, and once you've done it, like, you can just go back and walk through and you see all the birds that are there, like, even in a couple of years. Like, sometimes in one year, the birds come in, like, straight away.
2: There may be people who have thought about getting involved in wetland restoration or have kind of been thinking about it, but what advice do you have to give to those people who just haven't been able to make that first step into getting involved in a community project?
0: I think the, well in Christchurch it's the city council, but there's a regional council and there's local iwi and there's forest and bird and fish and game, so there's different groups that are involved in different areas so you can just contact one of those, but Probably the city library is a good place to, to you know, search to begin your search. Maybe yeah. But in, any of the people in the film, like if you're in the Rohi, you know, those are probably the people to contact <laughs> if that, that's where you're close to. Yeah. But you know, go and plant, you know, harakeki in your backyard if you've got a big if you've got a big puddle. <laughs> but you know, you can get on with it really anywhere. It's really good to look in your own. Region to see what's endemic there, and you can gather seeds. So there's there's harakeke, you know, big flax. There's the teakauka, the cabbage trees. There's the nio. There's the kofai I'm just thinking around here, but it's good to just go and find. Just have a look around what's growing wild in your area, because you know you just find it like in your in your particular little yeah area. Can Great. You, yeah, find it.
2: And we were just talking about how getting involved in restoration and and planting is such a great way to deal with eco-anxiety as well. You can actually um, take action and be doing something and see the results from your action so quickly and see the birds (laughs) coming in, be a part of the environment and see the positives that come from restoring the wetlands.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, because you you can't... You can have boardwalks through them and stuff like that. So you know, like if people don't want to get their feet wet or don't want to go in gumboots, though it's really cool wandering around in gumboots and things. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's there's so many benefits from it because you get to work with people from a lot of different walks of life. Lots of there's all sorts of people that I've found them ready for. You know, and, and when you go to a beautiful one like Okarito, it is really worth to going to Okarito. And when you go to a beautiful one like that and you can see where things can really go with it, it gives you so much peace and you can see what how much peace that you can get in a repo, you know. Mm. Um, but even just in little ones, just around here, around the city, like at Craycroft Basin or just, you know, Henderson's Road, just all around. Put Dean's Bush, you know. You know, it's the oldest Nahiri oldest in the... Canterbury, yeah, mm. and it's right in the city. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good just to go and you don't need to go, you can walk through them, but it's really nice to just go and sit in them and just sit for a while, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, I think the Japanese call it forest bathing. It's just, But it's just hanging, you know, just like being and, and let, you know, let the forest talk to you, you know, let it have a cordial with you and uh, birds. Sometimes the beds come real close when you just sit still for a while.
2: <laughs> I observed that you interviewed quite a few people involved in Rangnoa as well, and the like, natural medicine, and that to me was a sign of how closely related wetlands are to our health. And it was yeah, just incredible
0: to see those perspectives as well. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, rongoa, rongoa is the the rungo is the healing healing herbs, and the word faka is to listen. So faka is to listen, and so that's to cause healing. And if you go into a repo and it's a healthy repo and the water is cleansed and purified. And then you're able to gather on the side of it, and you can be there. You'll get healing from the herbs that you gather and use, and also from being in the ripple and being at one with the repo. So that's when the healing yeah, takes place.
1: Yeah, I also noticed that a lot of the people sort of spearheading this were local iwi, and I'm interested in particular, how Matoranga Maori played a role in this restoration and sort of led the way in it because there are these records of like plants and things like that that you would know how to plant and replant to like restore it and I guess I'm just curious about everything that goes along in, in looking back at looking back to the past to restore these swamps. Yes, yeah,
0: really critical to look it, be. so we can look forward it's. It's really the way that we can do this whole process, you know, and we're we're really lucky that we still have people alive who have held on to Matauranga and have passed it on and are still passing it on like they do in the film. So we've made a, a book that goes with this film. So the 60 full-length interviews are in the book. So there's a lot of Matauranga from different, people around, you know, both motu who who have got different, yeah, things to tell people, to pass on. And, yeah, it's all there. So you can sort of dig around in it. You can watch the film and then but you can dig around in the book and, and you can carry it. We sort of thought, it's, it's a bit of a fat book, it's about 300 pages, but we, we did it so that you can carry it with you when you go to the repo and then you mm-hmm. can look it up. And it would be just like being there with us, listening to what these people were talking about. So you can go to Ōkarito or you can go to Te Waihora or out to Travis Wetland and you can just open up and you just listen to them doing their kōrero, what they were talking about. These are the kaitiaki, yeah, the guardians, yeah. So we thought that would be a good way for people to, you know, to sort of have it in their pocket. Like yeah.
1: hearing the voices in that place almost. yeah.
0: Yeah, so we thought, we're hoping to have the book ready for the 30th so it'll be ready for people, they can get it on the night.
2: Mm. I wanted to ask about the function of the wetland and I really like the way the wetlands are described as the kidneys of the ecosystem and and being that filter and providing us clean water. How can wetlands be useful for... Reducing some of the nitrates going into our waterways.
0: That they need to be up and down the sides of all of our awa and also our coastlines. Yeah. And and they do that job, but they, you know, we need lots of them, and they need to do the mahi, and we can't overstock as well. Because <laughs> overstocking is not a good look. <laughs> and we are overstocking at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, but they, yeah, they need they need to be where they were.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. they need to be re envisioned and remembered back into life. Yeah.
1: And you also talked about with the flooding a few months ago now in Ashburton and how Christchurch did not receive the same level of flooding due to the wetlands that have been restored. Is this something that, we can continue to rely on to some degree as climate change accelerates? Or how can we sort of support the REPO to perform this function as there are going to be more storms or more floods?
0: Oh, there's plenty of REPO to restore.
1: (laughs) We haven't restored very many. many, (laughs) We've
0: got lots to restore, you know, like only 1% of Canterbury has got native vegetation on it so there's you know you know hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of hectares of a or to be restored now yeah yeah straight away but you see if you have an incentive like carbon credits the thing is is you can act so swiftly with them that's the difference Mm -hmm. between forests they're slow these are not slow and once once the carbon's there there it stays so it's so you just get on with it really yeah The the hundreds of thousands of hectares that we have to to restore, but they can perform all those functions. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: How it seems like there has definitely been some a lot of conversation in the background of these projects to allow them to go forward. But how how do you go about convincing people who are who are landowners or are Set on making a development on their land instead of a wetland, like that. This isn't really important thing to to turn the land into a wetland. Like this is something that is going to provide services beyond, you know, the short term. You
0: you can persuade people because you can just say, well, the land won't be flooded. Mm. Like, and, and so it's an obvious if you need to persuade people, but. You can have it as a criteria. I mean, if you're going to develop land, then this is the criteria that you have to meet and you have to have so many hectares and wetland in this raw here if you're going to come in here. So it's, yeah. Yeah, but you can just say, well, flooding. Do you want to be flooded? <laughs> if you want to persuade them,
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. And especially as climate change accelerates, that will be more and more of a... Concern that people will be looking to prevent. So yeah, that's a good point.
0: So these are yeah, these really are. These are ways forward and out of this really that we have to move forward with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's in in some respects it's hard to think about the fact that so many wetlands were lost in the past, but taking that future view and saying, well. We have to move forward and let's make sure we do it better than we did in the past
0: well I guess that's right because like I, I think that discussion like that Craig talks about in the end that he, they have with the sale and landowners you know and he says they're going on oh we might lose our land you know and they go oh we've had the land in the family for generations quite three generations yeah and it's been generations and he goes okay so do you want to talk about loss? Okay we can talk about loss you know and he's from uh, you know uh, happy that's related to Te that goes back lots more generations than three generations, and he goes, okay, so we'll, we'll sit down we'll talk about loss. If you want to talk about loss, we'll talk about loss too, you know, because we know all about loss. And he says, but okay, but but maybe we could talk about a way forward because we do. We do have to move forward together. You know, waka, ho, order two waka, carving, you know, the same whole.
2: Yeah, I really like the way... That Craig it yeah, talks about like what have we got to gain as opposed to what have we got to, to lose here. Mm. That reframing is is such a such a good approach.
0: Yeah, and where it's taking us, you mm. know, like it's almost like you sort of ask it, you know, like where are you where are you taking us? What's the direction? Like where where are we gonna be? And what are we gonna see and how are we gonna live? Because even the COVID is like that, it's taking us in a It takes us outside, you know. She doesn't want us inside. <laughs> so, you know, she takes us outside. So that's one of the things, yeah.
2: One of the things I like about restoring wetlands is the aspect of bringing communities together, like how when you're outside with other people it's not only connecting to nature but also connecting to other people and there's that opportunity yeah to like so many health benefits both from the wetland from we talked about the the herbs but yeah also the, the social interactions and building that community resilience too
0: yeah yeah that's right it's it's you know, Jocelyn talks about that whaka whanonga, that, it, and it's community building and and it's realising that, you know, you'll in your community you'll have a tree and you'll have a bird and you'll have a waterway, and you have a mountain in your community, and and these and there are other people with those communities too, you know, and that's yeah. yeah. So it's it's building a recognition of our relationships. And of our deep relationships. Yeah. And who we have to watch, you know, because, like, we're the, we're the portiki on the block, we're the youngest, you know, so we, we've got to watch these older ones. <laughs> Keep the weather eye out.
1: <laughs> what are you hoping that people will take away from this film?
0: I think it's like to turn the walker around. And, and it's, it feels like it's starting to move. That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's not stuck <laughs> where it was. And it's really how we can turn it turn it around so that it can start moving, really, that it can start floating. Cause when you when you start working, you know, with when you work with nature, it's like when you throw, you know, you throw some wool in the air or some, you know, that from the toy toy, you know? You stride in the air. And if the wind's behind you, it goes a long way. And so when you work with her, it's like exponentially your your effort is just, you know, it just goes like that. And I think people don't realize that. They think that it's a fight, but it's actually not a fight. <laughs> it's just a turning. It's a great turning that we're in at the moment. And I think if people could take delight in the turning and, Not be worried about it, but just take delight in it and just see where the turning's taking us to and how it's going to look, you know, and visualise how it's going to look. Because, you know, it's beautiful. (laughs) Just like Aparehama says, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah, so, yeah, just to start recognising their local birds and their local plants and just where they live and, those are the ones that are strong, and they're strong right through right through the summer, right through the drought. They're strong. You watch. Yeah. <laughs> and they tough places, ones that grow in tough places. You know, like anio out at, you know, it grows like summer along the rocks, out of the rocks. Wow. Yeah. And it's growing up at the beaches, up at Pines Beach, and up there among the pine forest, anio. Yeah. So you start looking around and, you know, see who's yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, we're always talking about what you can look forward to what you can be optimistic about in the face of climate change, and so I really like that idea of like enjoying the the turning and and visualizing and thinking about what could be is something to sort of stick with
2: <laughs> in your perspective, what's one positive thing about climate change It's that we
0: we're becoming We're becoming more intimate with our environment, and we're not able to turn our face from her anymore, and she's inviting us <laughs> outside. It's <laughs> lovely
2: yeah. Kathleen, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful hearing all about the importance of wetlands. And we're really
0: excited to see the success of your new film. Thank you very much. And I'd really like to welcome people to go to the single premiere screening at at the Lady Isaac Theatre World, because it's the biggest screen in the Southern Hemisphere, and we got it in there after the earthquakes. And it's it's wonderful, because it curves, and it's wonderful watching some of the some of our waterways and our Apple and our lakes and stuff on, on that screen. It's just really really special. So I'm really looking forward to Saturday the 30th of October at three fifteen. Kia ora
1: That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Ka kite. Anō. Ka kite.